Hello, hello! Welcome back to Loki's Librarian. If you are new here, welcome. I am your librarian, Katrina, and this is where I am reading through the enormous library of books that you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis and tell you what I think about them. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, and let me know what you think in the comments. So last week we took a look at what happened in Salem 1692, where the prosecution held all of the cards. This week we're looking at the defense side where it becomes very clear the prosecution still holds all of the cards, making this week's book of the week, Making a Case for Innocence, it's True Stories of a Criminal Defense Investigator by April Higuera. The accompanying cocktail is What Really Happened from the book Encyclopedia of Cocktails, over 1,000 cocktails for every occasion. It's this one right here. I'm really bad at pointing on screen. I'll put it somewhere over here. So you know what it is. But the cocktail itself is three quarter ounces of dry gin, three quarter ounces of ginger liqueur, three quarter ounces of lemon juice, a quarter ounce of honey syrup, and one strip of lemon peel to garnish. So let's do this. So as the title indicates, April Higuera is a criminal defense investigator. Now anyone who has ever caught a rerun of Law and Order, Criminal Minds, or any of the CSIs is aware that when crime happens, the police investigate and arrest then the prosecution has to prove the police's investigation is correct. Prosecution has the burden of proof, so they have an enormous amount of state resources available to them to prove their case. And you'll see why those quotation marks were put there by me, not by April Higuera. She, she's the consummate professional. I'm letting my sarcasm flag fly today because our power went out last night and we had no heat for most of the night, so sleeping was a little rough. I mean, yes, we have blankets, but still, it was not it was not the most restful of sleep because I kept waking up cold. Uh, oh, I gotta get another one of these soon. So, sometimes the police and the prosecutors go for the low-hanging fruit rather than the actual answer to who done it. And in a perfect world, the defense would also have access to the same amount of state resources to prove their case. We do not live in a perfect world which frequently results in the low-hanging fruit being an innocent person spending time in jail and sometimes even dying at the hands of the state because the police, prosecution, and courts could not be bothered to do their jobs correctly. They just wanted those wins. Wanted to check one off in the W column. Additionally, as Higuera points out, the entire, quote, this is a direct quote, the entire defense investigation is hampered by limited access to important information that only the prosecution is allowed to obtain, end quote. Basically, the police, the prosecutor, the forensic teams, they're all on the same side. The defense is the opposition, the bad guys. So they don't even help the defense at all unless defense investigators find a way to impeach their testimony. Impeaching just means they find proof of a conflict of interest of some sort or that, quote, clearly proves that a witness is biased, mistaken, lying, or lacks knowledge. So it could be, and it could be any of the above, and they, and they might just be forming an opinion, but it's not stated that way with the prosecution, so the defense has to bring that out that, hey, this is your opinion, not actual fact, correct? Um, or that there's bias. One of the cases she worked on, she found out that one of the key witnesses for the prosecution was married to one of the investigators on the case, so the witness was biased. She impeached her testimony that way. Higuera is a consummate professional. As I said, stated earlier, she obliquely references possible corruption and flat out states a statistic that 15% of law enforcement personnel will always do the right thing no matter what, 15% tend toward corruption no matter what, and the remaining 70% can be swayed either way based on circumstances. Now that is an absolutely fucking terrifying number. 
That means there is an up to 85% chance that if you are in the crosshairs of a police investigation, the pressure will be on from the administration, the prosecutors, and other police officers to have the police close the case regardless of your guilt or innocence. That is not justice. And that, if that number doesn't terrify you, man, you're, you are clearly living in a bubble if that number doesn't scare the ever-loving shit out of you. These are cool shot glasses, but they are not well-preserved. <coughs> The line markings just kind of wash off naturally very quickly. I have to go back to using my other one, except it doesn't show the numbers as clearly. <sighs> and lemon juice. So that's where Hagara comes in. All right. It's her job as an independent private investigator to poke holes in the prosecution's case where she can. And she shared some of her cases that she has investigated over her 20-year career. She goes into great detail on three, mentions, mentions a few others kind of tangentially, and I'm going to briefly recap two of the three because they, they were the ones that really, really stuck out. This is going to be delightful to try and squish this into a, a shot glass. Lemon juice everywhere. This cocktail is making a mess out of my desk. Thank God I'm on vacation next week. Um, so she starts with Max Royball who was accused of killing Laura Cesari, who went missing from Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and was only identified as deceased when part of her jawbone was mailed into a local news anchor woman. I don't believe that the rest of Cesari was ever located, but assuming she did not lose her jaw to toxic phosphorus, which we learned about last year, year and a half ago, two years, she is, it might have been two years ago. She is most assuredly presumed dead based on this. All right, I mean, you generally can't live without your jawbone. The local law enforcement focused on Roy Ball as her most likely suspect due to he was Cesare's husband, which is a valid point, right? Typically, it's the spouse or boyfriend, significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other of the victim is the most likely culprit, generally. Oh, no, too much honey. Oh, well. Oh, well, what am I going to do? I am going to shake this cocktail up and enjoy it is what I'm going to do. Give me a minute here. Now, this is a rare one where you actually just pour the whole thing into the Collins glass, not just the uh, liquor. So the ice, too. Did not make a... It's not a very full Collins glass, is it? Then you're supposed to take some lemon peel and express that into the glass. Try not to get lemon juice in your eye because that will make my eyes water. God, this is a messy cocktail. Okay, to be fair, it's probably not messy if you're a professional bartender and know what the heck you're doing. I am not. Yeah, close enough. Whatever. Roy Ball's marriage to Cessary was a marriage of convenience. Uh, Cessary was gay. Uh, this was in the 1990s. Roy Ball was married to her, had married her to help mask this in a time when don't ask, don't tell was the legal precedence in the military. Um, but Roy Ball was aware of the fact that she was gay, and, and they had a close personal friendship. Um, what, what made them focus so heavily on him was that he was the beneficiary on her life insurance policy. So the police claimed that he did it out of jealousy and to claim the life insurance. Did not help that Roy Ball's former spouse had died at home unattended when she fell and hit her head. Now, the prosecution actually dug up his first spouse, claimed she died as a result of blunt force trauma, and then tried him for her murder as well. So the defense really had their work cut out for him. My God, that's delicious. That's delicious. It's like lemonade. It tastes just like lemonade. Yeah, what did really happen? It's a good question. So this was Hagara's first case as a solo investigator, and she 
hit it out of the ballpark, man. She read through all the reports provided by Discovery in, on both cases, the, the first spouse and the second spouse, interviewed a ton of witnesses, provided multiple highly credible alternative, the, alternative theories, and Roy Ball's defense attorney took all that field work and nailed it in court. Roy Ball was found not guilty on the death of his first wife. Basically, she got lucky, and the Roy Ball got lucky, in that the police officer who responded to his first wife's death was one of that 15% who's honest no matter what. And he said point blank, if she was murdered, it was most likely her uncle, not Roy Ball. So yay for honest officers. I know you're out there. Keep it up, guys. Um, but so Roy Ball was found not guilty on the death of his first wife. And the evidence Higuera uncovered on Cesare's case actually had the judge throw the case out before it went to a jury, which is practically unheard of in modern America, American jurisprudence. And then the real tragedy of the American system of criminal justice revealed its ugly head. See, even though Higuera managed to thoroughly destroy the prosecution's case and provide several, and I mean multiple, highly credible alternative suspects, the prosecution stopped even looking. Rather than admit that they had arrested the wrong man, they just quietly ignored the case, leaving Cesare's murder as one of the alarming statistics of unsolved murders. It's, it's still not solved to this day. Um, her family still asks closure on who killed their daughter, all because the police and prosecution refused to admit that they got lazy and arrested the wrong man. The second case that I want to recap is Sedley Alley and the murder of Suzanne Marie Collins. Now, this one was tragic on many levels. Uh, Collins was a Marine. She was 19 years old. She was stationed at the Naval Base in Millington, Tennessee, when she disappeared one night while jogging. She was found the next morning having been completely brutalized. I'm not going to go into what exactly had happened to her. It is covered in the book, but I don't need to relive that trauma any more than anybody else does. If you really want to know about it, you can look her up. It, it, it's awful. Uh, police immediately focused on Allie as a murder suspect based solely on he was driving by the military base not long after she disappeared. Which, okay, that's some pretty strong circumstantial evidence, but it's just that it's circumstantial. This wouldn't have been half of the book if that's all there was to it, right? So Collins was seen jogging by two Marines shortly before she disappeared. The Marines reported seeing a brown station wagon with brown wood paneling shortly before hearing a woman scream. They ran towards the scream because they're Marines. That's running towards danger is literally in their job description. So they ran towards it. By the time they got there, the woman in the car had gone. They immediately, so we're talking less than 15 minute time span immediately reported what had happened to the gate guard to, to the post command basically who issued a be on the lookout for a brown station wagon a brown on brown station wagon with a man and a woman in it and this was canceled after Allie was seen driving in his green station wagon Allie was literally under surveillance from the police sleeping off the night's alcohol at home at the time that Collins was murdered, which we didn't discover until well after the fact because Higuera was hired to work on Allie's final plea before the death penalty was administered. And Higuera found a notation to that effect on the autopsy report. She was murdered sometime between like 1.30 and 3.30 a.m. And Allie was under surveillance from about 12, from about midnight until 6 a.m. the next morning. Allie was placed under arrest and questioned for 12 hours without benefit of counsel. I believe he had even asked for counsel, but that didn't seem to stop them before confessing what he did. 12 hours. It's fucking nuts. 
there was a great deal more to Higuera's investigation into the Alley case, none of which mattered because despite all of her hard work and the mounds of evidence that she uncovered indicating that he was most likely very innocent and had been wrongfully imprisoned for, you know, 20 years, the uh, judge, who heard the initial case incidentally, wasn't about to overturn himself, decided that everything was kosher with the investigation and Allie was executed in 2006 by the state of Tennessee. Isn't that fabulous? This despite a last-minute stay issued by the governor and the Innocence Project stepping in, and attempting to get testing done on DNA found at the scene of the crime. And even today, so he's, he, he was, you know, murdered by the state in 2006. So it's, can't, can't, I can't math. 17 years later, 18 years later, um, his daughter is trying to get DNA tested to exonerate her father. And I cried when I read that. that that's heartbreaking how many innocent people are jailed because the police and prosecutors can't be bothered to actually do their job. They just want, like I said, they want to check one off in that win column. And uh, then an innocent person could be murdered by the state, which we saw 1692, 20 innocent people were directly murdered by the state, right? Not much has changed in the intervening 332 years. Now look, truth time, absolute truth time. You may be as innocent as a child unborn, but if you are ever under arrest for even jaywalking, get a fucking lawyer. All right. It is especially heartbreaking because those most likely to be falsely accused are indigent. All right. They, they don't have any money. But that whole Miranda warning, you have the right to remain silent, stay silent, say nothing, except for I want an attorney. Anything you say can and will be used against you? Yes. Yes, it will. All right. Even if you're just arrested for jaywalking, if they have an unsolved case that they can find some way to pin on you, anything you say is going to be used to pin it on you. So say nothing. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be provided by the state. All right. Even defense counsel provided by the state is better than going alone and trying to just talk your way out of that holding cell. All right, don't do it. Get a lawyer. Make them pay for it. It's fine, okay? If you have a chance to get a better lawyer than just the, the public defender, and not knocking public defenders, they have a hard job to do. They are as grossly overwhelmed as the prosecution, and their wins are a lot far and few, like a lot fewer and farther between. They, uh, wins for them are negotiating a good plea deal. So if you can get a better lawyer, go into hawk mortgage your house take out loans tap those credit cards people but get a good lawyer right because no matter what you say the police and prosecutors can and will twist it to their own ends to make you sound guilty i looked for it but i could not find it but probably a decade ago there was like a, a an attorney posted something on youtube about that highlighting exactly how they can twist your statements to, to say you're guilty of XYZ. It was very powerful and I wish I could find it again because I'd love to link it. My, I might set the husband on that. He's very good at Google Foo. Part of the point of the Miranda warnings is to let you know you have the right to an attorney, right? That came out of a series of cases, uh, Miranda v. Arizona in, I think it was 1966, where uh, his conviction was ultimately overturned by the Supreme Court because they failed to notify him that he had the right to an attorney and to not incriminate himself. Use it. Say nothing until you have your attorney there. 
Uh, defense cases are just as expensive as the prosecution's cases. I'm going way off the books here, guys. I'm just going to rant and lecture you for a little bit because I was a criminal justice major, so this is things that, that stuck in my head, you know, from 20 years ago. Uh, the difference is that the prosecutor's case is paid for by we the people. The defense's case is paid for by the defendant, which is why there is a belief that there are two sets of laws, one for rich people, one for poor people. Now, setting aside anything that is legal for a pr price, like speeding, parking in a red zone, parking in a handicapped spot. Legal for a price, right? You pay the fine, you can park there. Fine. Criminal law is not actually broken down that way. Criminal law does, theoretically, apply to everyone equally. The difference is the rich can actually afford the defense investigators to prove their innocence. The poor cannot, which is why they are unevenly impacted by this rush to close cases that the police and prosecution have. And uh, the police and prosecutors know it, so they leverage that inability to fight back to close their cases and build public reputations as being tough on crime, even if the actual criminals go uncaught and unpunished. Higuera's book basically just confirmed all of that for me in heartbreaking, frustrating detail. Um, I, I don't know if she's still doing investigations. Her, her website is still active. I will link it in the description. Um, but it doesn't look like it's been updated since 2016. So I don't know if she just still has it or if she's retired, semi-retired. I do think she did excellent work when she was an investigator. I think defense investigators are a major check on prosecutorial misconduct. And I think there should be a line item in every state's budget to allow for independent defense investigations to occur, especially on capital murder cases, meaning one where that is likely to result in a death penalty. And the cards are too heavily stacked in favor of the prosecution, leaving the smallest minority in the world, that of the individual, standing on their own out there when they find themselves in legal crosshairs. This book was quite compelling. It was horrifying. I read it in about three days. The only reason it took that long is that I had to work during the day. Uh, it, was, it was enjoyable and horrifying and saddening and frustrating, and uh, I highly recommend it. And that's it for this week. If you liked what you saw, don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you guys next Sunday. Bye.